gospel lesson for today comes from Matthew chapter 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is God's word. My brothers and sisters, you know the feeling. You know the feeling of looking forward to that long weekend vacation with the family that you had to work overtime for week after week. And then on the last day before you go, the boss comes in, he, he knocks on your door and says, hey, uh, we're going to need you to work this weekend. Sorry. Parents, you know the feeling of wrestling each kid into bed and then really thinking that you're going to be able to watch TV in peace tonight. And so you sit down, you turn on the TV, and then you hear doors open, you hear little feet come out, and you know, not going to happen tonight. You know the feeling of, of just desperately needing time to yourself, time to rest, and, and having that time right here, and then watching that time slip right through your fingers, of being completely empty of all energy and emotion, and right as about, you're about to be refilled, well, something or someone more important comes and they demand your energy or your attention or some resource that you just don't have. Well, today in this account, we're going to see Jesus put in that situation. And we're going to see that when Jesus is more exhausted than we could ever comprehend, he doesn't do what we would have done and he doesn't feel what we'd, we would have felt. And we're going to see today that Jesus feeds the hungry. We are going to see his compassion, and we're going to see why we can trust his power. Verse 13, uh, when Jesus heard, well, what did he hear? Well, he heard about the unjust execution of his friend, his prophet, his cousin, John the Baptist, at the hands of King Herod. So, so maybe you can imagine the grief weighing on Jesus' heart. We'll add to that uh, him knowing that he might be Herod's next target. Add to that the emotional toll of the crowds constantly begging him, constantly following him. Add to that the Pharisees always plotting against him, always trying to make him trip up, always trying to ask him questions that he's not going to be able to answer. All Jesus wants is rest. Time to get away. Time to just breathe with his disciples, and as he is on the boat ride to find that rest, he sees them. A crowd 
uh, of 5,000 men, uh, so probably more like 15,000 people, uh, including women and children, waiting for him on the shore. They followed him to the one place where he purposely went so that no one would follow him. They followed him. How would you react? Anger? Frustration? Disappointment? Can you see the, the faces on the disciples? I can't believe it. They followed us. Yet Jesus sees these people, and he's not annoyed. And Jesus sees this crowd, and he sees fathers with their sick, dying children in their arms. He sees regular people like you and me leading their blind friends by the hand and carrying their lame friends uh, on their backs. He sees mothers with their children possessed by demons hoping that maybe Jesus would want to look at them and help. Jesus sees these people and his heart doesn't just break, it bursts open with compassion. And not the kind of compassion that says, oh, that's too bad. No, the compassion that would make him get off that boat and heal every single sick person, cast out every single demon, and there were so many people there that day that it took him all day long. And so after a very long day of healing and teaching the disciples, who probably want to get some separation from these needy people, very reasonably suggested Jesus that he send him away. Let, let him go to the villages so that they can get some food. Jesus' answer, no, no, they don't need to go away, you feed them. Now, if this was a test, the disciples probably failed. You see, Jesus could have just snapped his fingers and had a whole buffet uh, appear before every single person there, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to bless these people through his disciples, but his disciples didn't get it. Uh, now, they knew Jesus was powerful. They knew he could do anything. They've seen him raise people from the dead. That day alone, they saw him heal people with his hands and cast out demons, but that's a lot of people, and all we have is this much food. What are you talking about? We can't feed them. Now, it's easy for us to say, really? Come on, disciples, trust them. Trust him. This is Jesus we're talking about. Trust him a little bit. Have some faith. But then, well, we see the crowds in our life. Well, we see a city filled with people that don't have jobs, probably don't have friends, don't have a solid family structure, don't have the knowledge that Jesus loves them, who are starving probably physically and spiritually and God has put us here to help them and Jesus wants us to say, okay, I trust you. And yet we look at our hands and we see, wow, we, we don't have a lot of resources to work with. In fact, I don't know if Jesus is going to take care of me. We look to California and the, the, the fires that are ravaging the forest and we can't even go outside without breathing in the smoke. It's not even safe to go outside. We look at the hospitals and we see that they're overrun with sick people. Well, what's going to happen to us if we get sick? Oh, and speaking of sick, the Delta virus. Oh, well, we thought we were over this COVID nightmare. Now we have to wear a constant reminder on our faces of how fragile our lives really are. We're constantly reminded with the fact that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea what's going to happen to us. And it, with all that stuff, 
It is so hard to look at Jesus and say, okay, I trust you. Why? Because in order to admit that, in order to say, I trust you and to mean it, I have to admit a few things. I have to admit that I don't know everything. I have to admit that I am what I am and have what I have because someone far greater than me has blessed me tremendously and that the things that are most important to me, my life, my well-being, my health, and the well-being of those that I care about really are not in my control. And if you are anything like me, that is a really hard pill to swallow. Why? Because the default mode of the sinful flesh is obsession with self. To convince myself that the only way that I could ever be happy is if I am in control. I don't want to trust God. And I certainly don't want to let him use me to bless other people, especially if that means that I have to sacrifice something of myself. No, I want to use my money, my relationships, my status, my accomplishments, my kids' accomplishments, all extensions of my control, and I want to make that my God. I want to put my trust, my hope, in things that I can control. I want to be my own God. And because all of us are naturally like that, that's how we're all naturally built, we end up throwing away the only thing that can truly fill our hearts, a relationship with God, the glory of God, the presence of God, and all of us are cursed with a hunger, an emptiness that we can't fill. How does Jesus respond? Well, I hope by now that you're not just identifying with the disciples in the story. I hope by now you're identifying with the crowd. And Jesus' response to us, a crowd filled with selfish, neurotic, untrusting people, is his same reaction that he had to that crowd. He has compassion. And he uses his power to give people what they need. Verse 19. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves and kept breaking and kept breaking and breaking and breaking and breaking until every single one of those people were completely filled. There was so much left over that they, need, they needed 12 basketfuls to, to collect it all. Because when Jesus gives, he doesn't just give, he pours out. Jesus is not stingy. He has the heart that is so big that it includes every single one of our needs and he has the power to completely overwhelm all of our needs, every single one. Compassion and power, complete sacrificial love and mighty strength come together in Jesus. Yet, yet, the feeding of the 5,000 was not Jesus' greatest display of compassion and power. You see, while Jesus was feeding these people, he knew that even if he gave enough food to every single person who has ever existed that they would never go hungry, it wouldn't solve the problem. That the real problem with humanity isn't physical. It can't be solved with miracles or feeding. 
that even if he gave enough bread to every single person, each person would still be deeply empty. And Jesus' response to the world, a crowd filled with deeply empty people, well, you guessed it, his heart flows with compassion. And when Jesus saw the world, a crowd filled with empty people, he emptied himself of all of his glory, all of his power, all of his status, and he became one with the crowd. And he did what no one in the crowd could ever do. He perfectly trusted his father, even when he was sick and, and hungry and, and homeless and in danger of losing his life. Compassion flowed from his heart, even as he was being killed by his own people, as he was been, being humiliated and mocked and spat on, the greatest sign of compassion to take the punishment for the crowd that, for all the times that we wanted to be our own God, for all the times that we took the blessings that God has given us and put them into the number one spot of our hearts, he took the punishment. And in that sign of compassion, he showed his power. In that compassionate death, he destroyed Satan. He destroyed sin. And he completely renewed our relationship with God. He completely wiped the record completely clean. And now when God looks at you, he doesn't see all the times that you didn't trust him. He sees the perfection of his own son. And three days later, after that death, Jesus showed his power through the mightiest miracle. He defeated death, rose from the grave, and showed that he is in control. He wins. With his compassion and power, Jesus fulfilled the deepest longing of every single one of your hearts, a relationship with your Father in heaven, completely built on love that never ends. Unconditional forgiveness and acceptance every time that you fall in the promise that no matter where you are, no matter how dark that place is, Jesus is with you and he is holding your hand. And as if that weren't enough, Jesus takes a step further and says, I'm going to take care of you while you're on earth too. You're going to see how compassionate and powerful I am even before you see my face in glory. And the same compassion that he had on that crowd is the same compassion that he gives towards you. And the same power that he used to feed that crowd is the same power that he uses when he gives you the drive to work, uh, the, the ability to have a job, the, the opportunity to make money, and to buy a house, and to buy food, and to have everything you need. His power is working in your lives when he gives you friends, and family, and everything that you need to survive, and everything that gives you joy. And if that is true, do you really need to be in control? Do you really need to worry about every little thing that doesn't go your way? You see, Jesus' compassion and power free us from self-obsession. Because Jesus loves both our bodies and our souls, well, that's how we love the people that are around us. Yes, of course, we want to preach the gospel to people, absolutely. But Jesus cares about what happens to them on earth, too, and so do we. And the beautiful thing about Reno, oh, there are so many ways to, to share Jesus' love for what happens on earth too. So many ways to express that love to the people around us. 
So, when you are faced with a crowd, don't focus on the five loaves and the two fish in your hand. Look at the holes in his. Look at the blood-stained cross and see everything that he was willing to do for you so that he could hold you in his arms. And look at the empty tomb and see his power that he has over every physical thing, even death itself. And look at his heart. As he saw that crowd, and he wasn't annoyed that they disrupted his vacation. No, he loved them. And know that he has that same love towards you. And look at his power that he used to feed that crowd 2,000 years ago and know that he uses that power to sustain you every single moment of the day. Look at his hands and you will see that they hold you. Your bodies and your souls are his most prized possession. He's going to take care of them. You can trust him. Amen.